Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to the 244th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. We are recording a little early this week. Um, I'll be out this Again. weekend. Again. Yeah, well, you know. I think what we've done now is sort of realize that instead of pinning it to Sunday, which we've sort of done for the past, what, three years? Um, yeah. Gee, the, like, more or less. Yeah. More or less, we've probably had about, like, what, I'd say like a plus 90% recording rate on Sundays. Yeah, definitely. And now we're just saying, you know what? Life, when life gives you lemons... No, um, I don't. I didn't know how to finish that, so I just pulled, just just pulled the, uh, the report on that one. You just pulled it. Um, I got it. Yeah, I think we're just finding that you know there's uh, there's some other opportunities to to record. So that's a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes for you. That's director's commentary. <laughs> um, yeah, we're recording a little early this week. I'm out this weekend, um, but I wanted to catch up with you because how. I wanted to know how have you been uh, with Gordon and also yeah. going back to work. Yeah, talk about so, that. It's definitely been a bit. Uh, it's it's definitely been a, a bit of a change. Um, you know, it, I guess that that only makes sense. You become a you become a parent, and your life is never the same. I was I was joking around because it feels like every parent or every adult who you know. They have like grown kids or kids or at least who are at you know in at least in their teens. When I'm when I when not when not even when they find out that I'm a dad, but I guess when, like that I'm going to be a dad. But when they when I tell them, oh, the baby's here, they're like, ah, yeah, you're you know, welcome to fatherhood. Your life's never going to be the same again. And they they, they kind of like laugh about it like it's a joke. I'm like, uh, what what is going on? Like, why, why does it seem like everybody's in on this joke? And you're you're just put letting me in on it now that I'm becoming a dad. Like I've made some terrible mistake. Um, but yeah, so the adjustment. So last week I worked from home um, the whole week, and my initial plan actually was to just take an, a period of unpaid leave for about like a week. I think I've talked about it before that I don't have any um, I don't have any time off yet built up since I only just started. What is it like four weeks ago now? almost four full weeks ago. And so um, my boss was like, no, I mean, you, you just more or less take your laptop home, work from home when you have it, when you can. At this point, I'm still just doing like training material. So I'm just kind of working at stuff as I can, trying to absorb as much information and knowledge as I, as I can before I get put on any real project. So that week I worked from home. I spent a decent amount of time in uh, like in appointments with like the baby, you know, pediatrician. Uh, I actually made a couple of appointments for myself since that, since my, the year leading up to my dissertation defense, I never like made my dentist appointments. I missed my, my, uh, my bi-yearly checkups. Bi-yearly checkups. Yeah. Yeah. You're six months, just the, the, the cleanings and, you're, um, you're supposed to go every six months. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? The, the <laughs> Is that is that is that like a little inside joke at me? The who, um, the who knew? I actually don't go every six months. 
so so I don't I don't I used to go every six months. Um, I get lazy with it though. You, to be honest, I kind of like I've never I've never had teeth pain. You know, like, even when they tell me that I have a cavity, they're like, and they gotta fix it. I'm like, oh, my my teeth don't hurt. It's it's almost like a preventative fix is what they would I, I guess what they're doing. My mom when we were younger would never really believe the dentist when they say that there was a cavity and they needed to fix it because we would never really complain about our teeth. And so my, and when they would say that there was a problem, my mom would be like, well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. But yeah, so I did that, made an eye, uh, an appointment with the eye doctor as well. And I was asking Lena about her contacts because she wears contacts. Now I have one bad eye. My my left eye is twenty twenty. My right eye is, is uh, not not so good. I don't actually know what the number is. What on is it? it? I, I, I really don't know what the number is on it. Are you blind out of I that ha- eye? I'm not blind. No. Um, I have the the prescription here, but it doesn't tell you any of the information or anything. So do you only wear one contact? Well, I don't wear contacts. I always wear glasses. But I there's a, just a piece of regular glass in the left glasses. In, gotcha. in, in the left piece, and then the right is an actual magnifying lens. No, uh, no monocle for you, huh? No, no monocle. No. Uh, I, mean, I don't so think you're living your best life. But you I, know. I tried contacts when I was a kid, when we were in high school. Maybe this probably goes back like 14 years ago, and I didn't like it. I tried it, and I always felt like I could feel it in my eye. It was always like just kind of irritating me, and I have an, I have an astigmatism, and so there is a shift in like. I guess focus or something at some point along the contact and you can see it visually when you look at the contact there's it looks like a slit in the contact lens and I could see that and I I felt like I was always aware of it back in the day so I was like well maybe the technology's gotten better there's a lot of high-end brands maybe I didn't try the high-end brand let me let me just give it another shot because it's I don't want to say it's easier but I only need to put one one in <laughs> i'm only paying half the price of what i would only pay half the price of what everybody else pays for their contacts because they got to get two mm-hmm. so i went i got fitted for them they gave me a sample pack for a week to try out and i feel about the same as i did when i was in high school um i don't i'm not as aware of that little slit where that shift happens but i just feel like i can always feel it in my eye it, it almost like i don't want to say it feels like there's an eyelash in my eye all the time but it just feels like there's something slightly irritating my eye pretty perpetually and i don't like it so i'm sticking with glasses but that was a 150 dollar experiment or 100 some dollar experiment just to like get the training for it and get the trial packs and stuff like that yeah so uh you know unfortunate that that cost me that much money but you know now i know um, but this is literally not what you asked me. You asked what, what it was like going back to work and what's life with the baby like. So this week I, I made my return to work. I, I um, My plan right now is to try to work from home maybe like Mondays and Fridays and kind of be a little flexible with that. You know, if I need to be in the office or whatever. But uh, and I'll have to I'll have to talk with my boss about that to see if we can kind of get that in in uh, in as part of like an official schedule, because one of my coworkers, she does work like that Mondays and Fridays at home. Um going back was hard because i had already like broken the routine of waking up at 6 a.m to catch that train uh and it's not it's not like i did it because i'm chilling or because i wanted to we would oftentimes try to start getting ready for bed at our normal hour but the issue is that with a baby he's kind of on his own schedule and he's been cluster feeding heavily so what cluster feeding is is basically 
if, if let's just say you're breastfeeding, right? So if you're mm-hmm. breastfeeding, it doesn't really matter. If you're feeding the baby, right, with formula mm-hmm. or the or the breast or milk, um, the baby will will eat, and the baby eats like a feed. A typical feeding can be about like twenty to forty minutes, which is a long time, especially for the women that are out there breastfeeding, right? You got this baby on you, and it's not like a pleasurable experience in most cases. Or at least early on, it's not. It's a very, it can be pain. It can be quite painful, which it has been for Lena. It can be painful. Um, and and kind of unpleasant and you can dread it and so the baby will will eat and eat and eat for like let's say 40 minutes and you put the baby down and you're expecting the baby to go to sleep and the baby cries and the baby's like i'm hungry and it's like but you just ate like you just finished eating and the baby's like i don't care i'm i'm starving right now like i'm starving like marvin i'm gonna keep crying until you give me something so then you you start feeding the baby again and cluster feeding will happen periodically throughout like infancy when the baby's going, they say when the baby's going through growth spurts, it feels like the the uh, cluster feeds have happened about twice as frequently as they, they they claimed within the first like two weeks. I think there's supposed to be a cluster feeding on like day one, uh, week one, at the end of week one, and like at the end of week two. We're pretty much at the end of that week two period right now, and it feels like he's had cluster feedings like four times already, maybe more. And it's extremely exhausting for Lena, but then for me, like I'm not waking up and feeding him. But I am aware of him when he's really extremely fussy. Like Lanny's been, she's pretty sensitive when she's sleeping right now. So any little noise that he makes, she's trying to like jump out of bed and get to him so that he doesn't wake me up so that I can, you know, get a good night's sleep. Yeah. But on those like cluster days and when it's super painful for her, it's difficult to have that same level of enthusiasm and just kind of like go get him attitude when it comes to the feedings. And so when he gets really fussy, he starts crying. I wake up. I'm stuck, you know, being awake for a little bit. I don't typically have problems falling back asleep, which I know we talked about like a week or two ago. But when you have your sleep broken up in such a manner, it can really make it difficult to get a solid night, solid night of sleep. So when I went back on Tuesday, I almost um, was that. I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I think yeah. So Tuesday, I think I woke up late, or I know I woke up late. I was laying there in bed, turn off my alarm put my head down. Next thing I know, it's 622. I'm supposed to be up at six. I got to be out the door by like 707, I think at the latest to catch the train, something like that, like 712. But I like to say 707 just so I can get there. You know, if I get bad luck with the lights, I was out the door by like 717 on, on Tuesday. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I still made the attempt. And as I pulled up, the train was leaving. So, um, because the train has a couple of local stops in Delaware, uh, like um, like near Christiana Hospital and in Wilmington, I was able to pass the train, not just catch up, but pass the train and go all the way down to Claymont, which is about a 20-mile drive from my house, and catch the train there. I arrived, you know, very, like, probably like 20 minutes before the train got there. But when I do that, I have to come back. I have to, you know, drive the 20 miles back home and deal with the rush hour traffic then. Uh, which is way worse than it is in the morning. In the morning, there's no traffic. On the way back home, there's a lot. So Tuesday, about halfway through the day, Lana texts me and she says that she's she's um, her temperature. She took her temperature and she was at 100.3. And Yikes. I think they say for like you know postpartum fevers do happen, mm-hmm. and they were they say that I think like what 100.4 is what you really need to look out for. Anything above that, certainly I know that's the number for babies. I can't remember for for the for the moms, but. We'll just say 100.4. And I was like, well, that's close enough. I was like, I need a, I should come home. Like maybe yeah. I shouldn't have come back home. Maybe I shouldn't have come back to work so soon. It's not that, 
it's not even like I'm able to do a ton, right? But it was just like my presence. And I think being able to just kind of take him out the room for a little bit, even if he's being fussy, I can usually calm him down a little bit just to have him not be crying in her face all the time. Because that day, the feeding got really hard. So um, I I left the office uh, at like two. It was a good thing I missed the train in the morning because there was no train that could actually take me all the way back down to Newark until like four something. So uh, where I parked, there was a train leaving um, like what, 10 minutes after she called me. So I was able to get the train. Um, I stopped at Target, grabbed a pump, just like a cheapish breast pump. Mm-hmm. We, we've ordered one through her insurance, but it's like we haven't even heard from them yet uh, like to confirm that they're going to send it over. So we don't even know when that's going to be getting here. So I got the pump. I bought her some like candy and just like treats and stuff like that just to kind of, you know, help, I guess, cheer her up in some sense, right? And the uh, the rocking chair that I ordered for her finally arrived. I ordered this rocking chair like the day that he was born and it didn't arrive until until um I think Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so I was able to to set that up to, yeah, it was Tuesday. I was able to put it together and I think it makes it a little bit more comfortable when she's feeding him. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, today again being Thursday, I was able to to get a full day a full days of work in at the office. Yesterday felt it felt long, which was I guess good and bad. Uh, the bad of it is that you know just it took so long to go, get through the whole day, but I felt like I got so much work done, which was great. Um, you know, there's no distractions in the office, um, you know, not like a crying baby or anything like that. <laughs> so I was able to work pretty much straight through the day and, and I felt like I got a decent amount of stuff done and just like set up a bunch of these runs and all these like training stuff that I've been doing, just trying to take all these notes and whatnot. Um, well, ha- oh, yesterday I also almost missed a train, um, because I'm sleeping and I, it was really hard to get um going to sleep on tuesday night and so we were up a bit late and when my alarm went off this morning or that morning wednesday morning i was just like sleeping through it now luckily elena was up feeding him and she was like trying to like call call to me from the rocking chair like your alarm's going off she tried calling my phone a couple of times but my phone's on silent so eventually i woke up and and was able to to get to work but i was i was moving way too slow and so i had to drive down to that other train station again Today though, I made it. I made it on time. Caught the train from Newark, so it's been a. It's been a. Uh, it's different. It's different, but it's not. It's 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 okay. Like I'm I'm a bit more tired in the morning, just getting out of bed and getting ready. But I think it's also due to just having had that routine broken up for about a week and a half. And as I get back to the routine again, you know, waking up at six a.m., getting that lunch and breakfast together, um, just getting myself together. Uh, It'll be a little bit easier, I think, in the future. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's mostly it. What are some of the strategies right now to get Gordon to go to sleep? Feed him. Yeah, (laughs) there there, there's really not like yesterday. I tried um, I tried swaddling him. We bought these. So I think I mentioned this last week. The the nurses were like amazing when it came to swaddling. They had their blankets. They would put them in it. And it felt like every time I swaddled him, it would work for like five minutes. And then he would break out because he's super active. He doesn't stop moving his arms. But we bought these swaddlers. Um, I, I think they're called – I think the brand is Halo or maybe they're just called like the the model or whatever you want to call it is, is called Halo. Um, 
it you put him in it it's like a sack and you cut or it's like a vest and a and a sack so like it it zips over his he puts his arms through the holes that the arm holes and you put his body into it and you zip it all the way up so his arms are out and it's got these more or less wings on either side of his arm and you just wrap those around him and they have velcro so it sticks to the back gotcha and it holds him in pretty pretty well but again he moves around he really likes to try to break out that thing despite the fact that he feels comfortable in it he's always trying to break out of it uh especially when he's hungry he he just can't stop flailing his arms so i can get him to relax a bit when it comes to the swaddle or with the swaddle but like last night for example we're just like because we don't you know we're I guess everyone is going to experience this, whether it's their first child or their last. I mean, no, I guess no two kids are ever really the same. And plenty of people are going to give you advice on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And what we're finding is that like our original plans have been, have had to be modified. Like, oh, we're only going to be we're we're only going to do breastfeeding for the first however long, and then we'll switch. Then we'll do some bottles, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, you'll never do formula. Like all these plans have to be modifiable because. Sometimes it just doesn't work. It's too, like, like the, the, like the breastfeeding, for example, it's extremely painful. And, and there's a number of reasons for why it could be. We've seen like, I think like three or four lactation consultants in the last like week ranging from like come, places like the birth center to the hospital where he was born to the pediatrician's office. And everyone like looks and they give some advice and they take a look and like, oh, everything looks great. This could be a problem, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a thing. Maybe you should try this. You get some advice and some tricks and, and tips and you try to employ those. And it's like, yeah, it helps a little bit, but it's not like the miracle cure that you were hoping that it might be. And so we are just, we're just, we're finding that we have to adjust a lot and, 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 um, you got to be okay with that. I think, um, did I answer the question that you asked? I can't even remember exactly what you asked me. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Oh, yeah, you asked what are the tricks. And, yeah, the, so the other thing is just, yeah, just feeding him. I mean, he he doesn't really have very many desires at this point. He either wants to he either wants to sleep or he wants to eat. He doesn't really cry when he has a dirty diaper. So you kind of got to check that on your own. And he definitely cries when you change his diaper. That boy hates being naked. Um, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he like. I don't know if he would – I don't know if he would cry if he was like sleeping in a dirty diaper. We don't, we don't like, you know, whenever we find that it's dirty, we change it. But he, uh, it's really just, okay, get him that food and, and maybe swaddling will help just comfort him and hopefully help keep him in bed for like an extra half hour or so. But I'm not even sure if there's a quantifiable number that I can put on, on the swaddling as compared to just feeding him. Like, I don't, I don't want to like, I don't feel like you can overfeed him, especially when it comes to the breast milk. But I'm just like, well, there's certainly a level of of uh, of real like Lena can only handle it for so long. Like right. she's exhausted. Oh, I bet. And he's very much like nocturnal right now. And Lena is very much a morning person, like a day person. I mean, most people are right. But she also loves to do things in the morning early and whatnot. So she might get like no sleep. But then the morning comes along and she's she like is ready to do stuff. But at the same time. She's sleepy and they say, oh, sleep when the baby's asleep. But like there's stuff that still needs to be done. And we have help. Her mo- her mom uh, is with us. So we have help. And, and she, her mom's been a, a huge help. It's It's been great having her around. But, uh, you know, you, you just find very quickly that, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, it's not like you had these unrealistic expectations coming in saying, oh, you know, you, other people are exaggerating or we'll be able to manage. Like, no, you know, it's going to be hard. 
It's just when it actually becomes a reality and working through it. I oftentimes like I'm thinking, I, I wonder why some people have as many kids as they do, because as much as as much as I'm happy to have him, like, and I and I, and I want another child, it's like, well, I, like Philip Rivers, what you, what are you doing, son? Like, how you can how you getting sleep when you got training camp, man? You got like nine kids running around the house. How many how many babies? It's nine kids too, right? Is that is that the accurate number? Yeah, he's having his ninth kid this year. I don't. I just don't know how you do it. I really don't. I mean, I guess they have the means to get a lot of help, but I don't really know if you if they are really doing it like that. To yeah. have like nannies in the house and doing all this and that, and like it's 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 another story. Like I know it's with um, it doesn't get like easier. There are certain like aspects I guess get better. So your sleep is going to get better as they get older. But then they have different needs and, and desires and, and like, the, you know, they they have they have uh, hobbies that they're into and you got to like pay for those or you want to help nurture those things. So if, if they got like sports games, you're going to go to them. That means, you know, if you got if you want to record a podcast on Thursday, you got to make sure you check that baseball schedule because if there's a baseball game on Thursday, you can't do it. Yeah, so, but I mean, I don't think Philip Rivers is the best example for that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying Philip Rivers. I'm just saying in general, like things get a little more difficult, and when you when like regular people have more children, it's just the the difficult the difficult areas. Like it's it's. I don't think infancy is the hardest part about being parents. I think it's going to stay difficult. It'll stay this difficult, but the the difficult aspects or the things that are difficult will shift over time. You know, whether it's, it's going to be the cost of, of, uh, of funding, whatever, or funding that child in general, whether it's college or, or whatever, um, the time, the, the emotion, the, like the fights that you're going to be having with them <laughs> as they're teenagers and whatnot. So I don't know. I'm, I know I'm kind of like rambling. I don't have a set like thing that I'm necessarily speaking of, but it's just I'm finding myself thinking a whole lot more about the future, like what Gordon's going to be like in like five years or 10 years, what he's going to be like with a sibling or if he'll have a sibling, you know, like I certainly we could still change our minds, but I'm just like thinking a whole lot more about the future and, and the future of of him rather than the future of me. It's different. It's 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 I was telling this to Lena the other day. It's weird because i feel like i usually i think or live very much in the moment in the present and certainly i look forward to things and i'm excited about stuff i was obviously excited about graduating for so long and getting a job but i think it was even difficult to kind of envision some of those um like what that was going to be like but gordon i don't know i just find it it's very easy to kind of think okay well this is 100 percent a fact or a reality that it will you know he will be 10 years old at some point what is it going to be like and where are we going to live? What is he going to be interested in? I don't know. I mean, you, I don't think it's possible to know all the answers. To no, that. certainly not. Certainly yeah. not. And even then, just like uh, realizing that as you move forward, your station in life will change. Um, things will get easier because you'll just have more experience with them. Yeah. I'm not, you know, obviously, I'm speaking from a ton of my uh, experience as a dad. Uh, <laughs> but I know what helps me when I'm trying to like calm myself down from thinking too much about the future is just recognizing that you still got to be present uh, and solve like the immediate things first. You're certainly yeah. keeping an eye out on like things that are way out there. But uh, 
you you can't ever bite off more than you can chew because then you end up hurting the chances of you actually getting that thing out there and you're also uh not as happy or comfortable now so it just has to you just have to i feel like you have to make it as manageable as possible it's certainly the way that i've approached my professional career yeah um, like i don't really know you know it's kind of like one of those things where like i don't really know how else to operate and so i do have like these like really long reaching plans that i uh that i often think about um but at the same time just you just have to realize that you know you're not always going to be able to have all the answers that you want to have yeah um, absolutely and for me that can be a really destabilizing place but just knowing that you know not having all the answers is okay uh sometimes tells me uh regain some footing let's put it that way yeah um yeah it's it's uh there's a lot that's exciting about it all you know oh absolutely um it's he's he he's like he's just funny there's so much there's so much like frustration that comes and you just kind of look at his face and you just kind of get you just kind of stare at him like damn you're 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 cute like you're you're my son (laughs) You're my That's child. Great. Yeah. No, like a little, I'm, I'm like, I'm very serious about that too. I'll just be like staring at him. <laughs> so like, he'll be sleeping and I'll just kind of like put like, you know, just sit there and just kind of yeah. watch him. Yeah, man. I mean, he's your kid. He's your son. Yeah. Yeah. He's your first son. My first son, my first child. Yeah. He's going to be your namesake. You know, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to do the right thing by uh, downloading all of your insecurities into him. Mm-hmm. Um, as any good parent would do, but uh, I mean, I feel like it's it's really uh, it's really nice to hear that uh, you sort of taken an immediate liking to to Gordon. I know it sounds weird to say that out loud, but I feel like a lot of times it can be really easy to just uh, get really scared. I feel like, and it's not to say that you're not scared, but to hear it like come so genuinely, this feeling that like, yeah, you'll love your kid. It's like it's right. always. It's never not great to hear that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I really do got to say, like having having my mother in law around is is absolutely amazing to have her. Like she, this morning, for example, I woke up obviously super tired again. Gordon was super fussy last night. I, I gave him a bottle. And Lynn, I, try, I let Lynn actually go to sleep a little early. Well, that's super relative. Earlier than me, she was in bed or asleep probably fifteen minutes earlier than I was. So I was feeding him until like twelve thirty. And I was so exhausted. Like I put, I put his bottle down, like on the floor, and I put him into his bed. And I just like completely forgot to put the bottle away in the fridge or anything. I woke up in the morning. I was like, ah, shit! I forgot to put the bottle away. And Lance like, no, I found it. Don't worry about it. Um, but I, I went downstairs to you know make uh, make some coffee, make breakfast, and her mom was already down there, and she like chopped up all these like mushrooms and was making omelets for us. I was like, oh, you know, this is. And it's not the first time she's made us breakfast. Um, she's made us breakfast probably like 75% of the days that we've been home si- since having him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like another thing we don't have to worry about. She's d- always doing the dishes as much as I dislike her having to do all the dishes all the time. Like if I leave a dish in the sink for like an hour, it's gone by the time I come back. That's I amazing. Us- I <laughs> she's. I usually like to do my dishes in the evening. I'll like throw a podcast on do the dishes and then go to sleep 
And when when she's around, like that routine just thrown off. I got to get those dishes done ASAP. It's like a race to beat her to do it because I won't be able to do it otherwise. How long is she staying with you guys for? Well, she's been living with us for about almost a year now at this point. Yeah. Um, she, she did get a house in Florida and she'll it, there. We don't know for sure exactly how it's going to go. I mean, just because she's renting it out just like on Airbnb for a period of time. Got it. Like when she's here, it's on the market. And when she wants to go down there, she'll take it off and, and, and take her time to hang out there. But realistically, you know, now that, now that Gordon's here, I don't know. Like, no, I don't think any of us really know. She has an idea of what, what she might want to do, but we sh- we'll see. All right. Yeah. Um, I say we keep this we keep this week short. Uh, I have to go to bed now, even though it's four thirty <laughs> in the afternoon. Um, I have to go to bed now because my my body is telling me that uh, I need every ounce of sleep I can get before I go for another long run tomorrow in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I really appreciate you sharing uh, your experience uh, with Gordon so far. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, oh, I did get a promotion at work. Nice. Congratulations, dude. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. I'm like so tired. I'm like, yeah, what else? Do I, what, there's like nothing yeah, else to share. That's all you got out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got a promotion at work. I'm now a senior product designer. That's really um, cool. It's really exciting. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so it's a, it's a fun way for me to like finish it all off. And then, like, move on to the next thing, you know. Um, when I talked about, when I was commenting on your, like, sort of looking into the future and sort of seeing everything, one yeah. of the things that I know that I'm guilty of is whenever I achieve something or get something that I really like, I immediately move on to the next thing. And the way I envision it is, like, you're, I feel like I'm always, like, playing like not playing but i'm standing in like quicksand right and yeah. it's one of those things where maybe it's like an also in mario where you have like those like platforms that are like floating in the air and the second you jump on something it like falls yeah and you gotta jump off again yeah. and so i feel like i'm always like balancing on a couple of those things where i jump off of one onto another and then another one appears and you're always just sort of like you're not really making any like vertical progress too often you're just sort of like trying to maintain you know mm-hmm. and then every once in a while you're like, oh, wow, that platform is actually pretty permanent. It's not going away. Um, let me, like, really uh, try and use this as a foundation, right? And I was talking to Carolyn about the promotion, and I was already starting to think about, like, all right, now that I'm here, what do I got to do to get to the next thing? And I sort of just realized, I also got kind of saw it from her reaction, because um, usually I do these things in private. Um, <laughs> but, but when I did in front of her, she was like, you know, you can you can enjoy this. Like yeah. you just got the news like a few hours ago. You can totally enjoy this. I go, no, I know, I know, I know. But you know what, what you know, you've already laid out the, uh, the track to get to the next level. And so, you know, the, to sort of round out the, uh, the metaphor that I'm using, just this thing of like, once you find out one of these platforms is pretty permanent, what I like to do is I really try and like push off of that, you know, and get to the next thing. Um, yeah. But sometimes it's about realizing that, if the platform is not going anywhere, you can probably sit down, enjoy the view for a second, and then get back to it. My only, uh, my fear is that I know that I have this this thing in me of like, if I really take my foot off the gas, then 
it can be really hard to turn on that motivation again. It's mm. like it's probably it's easier to keep that motivation going. Uh, that reminds me of this story that I read in Runner's World magazine today that uh, this mom, you sent it to me. I was yeah, reading I it and you sent it, it to yeah. me. Um, the mom who was pushing the stroller with like three kids and ran a 311 marathon, which is like stupid. It's like way faster than I can run it. Yeah. Um, and she made this comment about like, you know, once you get the, the stroller going, it's a little easier to keep it going than just like get it, you know, sort of push off when you first start. Right. And so for me, it's like this idea of my motivation is once I'm, once I'm getting into it, once I'm doing it, then uh, it's easier for me to maintain it when I like, for example, take off a month for marathon training. And I just stopped running for a month. And that's what I did in uh, January. I started having these existential crises in February about like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to run. Why am I doing this? This gives me no joy. Yeah. But now like as I'm in it and it's part of my lifestyle and it's like, yeah, I'm going to bed early at 7.47 p.m. I want to be in bed theoretically 10 minutes ago so that I can get like you know nine ten hours of sleep so i can run 18 miles and feel good um but it's just like it's, it's part of the uh, it's just part of lifestyle now i i don't question it as much you know i, I start to find that joy again and you know that stuff kind of ebbs and flows but you know it's a long story short i'm trying to enjoy the moments these hard-earned moments just a little bit uh i'm learning how to do that in a way that's like not counterproductive or counterintuitive where i end up just like kicking my feet up and being like, well, I guess I'm going to play video games for the next week. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Trying to find that delicate balance of like how to celebrate something, but also just like, all right, you good? Let's get back to it. <laughs> I think I've been much more of a, all right, let's get back to it kind of guy. That was uh, kind of your conversation that you had with that one guy. I can't, what, was it um, the, at the bachelor party, right? The bachelor party. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, just his idea that like he was helping me sort of understand that going into 30, I was starting to feel like all these things about, you know, are the, are the goals, the lifestyle, the way I see things, is it the right way that I should be, uh, should be thinking about things going into my 30s? Because they certainly got me through my 20s, but is it the most effective way to go through my 30s? And um, he definitely like turned a lot of things on his head and mm-hmm. maybe reevaluate some things, uh, maybe question a lot of things that I, that I hold really dearly, which is always a good thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I approach that conversation with a very open mind. So whenever he says something that like either didn't agree with or couldn't see it, I was like, all right, let's just try to, you know, help me empathize with what you're saying right now so I can have a better shot at understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and uh and yeah like it was uh it was very helpful to 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 do all that it you know it's i'm certainly a work in progress right like i i have all of these irrational fears about things um that drive me to to work the way that i do and and all that stuff and uh i'm certainly not uh ready to like totally redefine things um but I am certainly aware that there are many different ways to live this life. And my way certainly isn't the, the right way. And I think that's, you know, as facetious as that sounds um, to say that, you know, I never always thought about it that way. Uh, I think we're all products of our, of our environment, of our, of our lifestyle, our upbringing. And it can be hard to 
to rewire yourself, especially when it can be an assault on all the things that you hold really close to to yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm not like unhappy, you know. I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to come across as like being unhappy, um, but you know, it's like it's like the the delicate balance of how do you how do you enjoy a success without gloating, um, without making it more than what it is, uh, but also how do you keep things in perspective, right? Like staying grounded, staying humble, and having a sense of humility. Um, like one of the things that I do is, uh, with my LinkedIn, uh, I turn off notifications, you know, uh, when I, when I change stuff, when I update stuff, that's not part of a strategic, right? Part of it's like, if you're making updates to LinkedIn, it gives off the wrong impression that you're looking for a new job. Like, Oh, I'm going to update my resume. It's like, that's, you know, that's, I'm trying to get ahead of that where, yeah, if I, if I got promoted, I'm going to update my LinkedIn. And when I update my LinkedIn, I'm going to try and write things in that I'm doing now so I don't have to, like, rack my brain later. But also, I don't like this idea of uh, letting the world know that, like, my status has changed. Because LinkedIn does a really effective job of saying to your entire network, hey, so-and-so, like, got promoted. You know? And it's like, I'm not really trying to put my business out there like that. Um it's like this like weird like push and pull uh relationship that i have with this kind of stuff because i'm also talking to you about it here i hear you though um it's uh like i i with linkedin yeah you i i kind of i i don't use linkedin a ton i mean i was a grad student up until uh a month ago and you should though i <laughs> i like I, I sh- yeah, I, I feel like I should just, uh, I guess, update my uh, my profile just to have just to post the new job that I have now. I certainly made Absolutely. use of LinkedIn when I was applying. Yeah, I it says you're still a PhD candidate. Yes, I think it still says that. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'd rather change it. I'd rather change it now than when I actually am looking, especially if I'm not trying to like broadcast that out. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly at, at, in the position that I have now, it's, it's, I think it's a little more expected that I will be moving on at some point and, and not in like, not in like five or 10 years, but sooner than that. But regardless, I, I think it would be better to update now or sooner than later. But yeah, like I, I've had a, I've had a kind of a crazy year, but I also feel like, like something like having a child, for example, I feel like is something that's a lot more expected to, to, to boast about because it's not like a personal accomplishment so much as just i guess welcoming the life that you're bringing into this world but like graduating for example and getting a new job it's not something that i even like yeah like graduating my with a phd like i can call myself doctor i don't really want people to call me doctor it's a weird thing to do i feel yeah but you've earned it though yeah you earned it but it's different like i feel like even even with a phd it's when people hear doctor they typically expect to, they typically expect that you're you're a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, as a PhD, a lot of times the, the relationships that you build with each other, especially in academia, you're you're on a first name basis with a lot of these people. If you, when you're in college, when you're an undergraduate, you'll meet with professors all the time, and oftentimes when you're meeting with these professors, especially if you're working with them, like doing research with them, you're not calling them doctor or whatever or professor or whatever. They want you to call them by their first name. And so for all my career as a graduate student, 
my advisor was never, you know, Dr. Myers. It was just Blake. Um, I think that, and I don't know, I don't know what, what medical professionals refer to each other as they might be doing the same thing, but even outside of that, like, you're not really going to demand people to call you doctor. And so it's a weird thing to do. Like, yeah, I celebrate internally that I finished and I'm happy that I finished, but I moved on pretty quickly and almost forgot. I think I may have mentioned to you that I had actually finished because I was working up to it for so long that when it was kind of over, it was like, oh yeah, that moment of the actual defense actually happened and I'm finished. Yeah. To the original point though, about, uh, like feeling weird about being called a doctor. What's interesting. I think not interesting. That's the wrong thing. This is what I'm thinking. You put the doctor out there, but what's great is you get to decide how you want to be, uh, how you want to be referred. Like you've uh, referred to, you have earned the right to do that. You know, you've earned the right certainly to publicly state that, yes, you are a doctor. That's how these things are right. uh, officially recognized as. But it's also something that you get to decide to say, you know, I, you know, Dr. Reza Hammond, you can call me Reza. Well, you can refer yeah. to me as Reza. You you have like this ability to do that while most of the world can't be like, you you know, you can call me doctor. <laughs> no, I can't call you doctor. You're not a, you're not a doctor. Right. You know, sort of. I think that's where you get the... Uh, that's the uh, the difference there. There's certainly one of the differences. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, let's get out of here for real. All right, all right, sounds good. Yeah, I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>